guys. Happy Monday. I am so excited about this episode. It was such an empowering conversation and I I really felt like I was learning so much just from talking to Natasha and literally at the end I was like, can you be my mentor? Because she's amazing. Um, So I don't want to talk too much beforehand, but I did want to quickly remind you about my sponsor, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the largest online counseling service and it's really awesome. They pair you up with a therapist that is um, basically perfect for you um, based on everything that you filled out beforehand. And then if you don't like your therapist, you can change and it's just really convenient. They let you choose the time that you want your therapy session. If something comes up, you can cancel without being fully charged. You can talk to the therapist between um, sessions and it's just really like the most flexible type of therapy I've seen. Um, and you can just do it from your couch, which is the best part of all. Um, so if you go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe, that's trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe, Z-O-E, you'll get 10% off your first month. So definitely give it a try and let me know what you think. Um, one last thing, because I've been just really wanting to talk about this book for so long and don't worry, I'll be quick. But if anyone has read Untamed by Glennon Doyle, please message me so we can just talk about how incredible this book is. It literally is my favorite book, which says a lot because I read a lot. And it's just so amazing. And I wanted to read this one passage because I read this book about like two weeks ago and I still can't stop thinking about this. So if anyone else finished this beautiful piece of literature and want to talk about this section in particular, I'm all ears. So the quote is, the anxiety that makes it difficult to exist in my own skin also makes it difficult to exist in a world where so many people are in so much pain. And that makes me a relentless activist. The fire that burned me up for the first half of my life is the exact same fire I'm using right now to light up the world. And end quote (laughs) but that piece just really stuck with me because I feel sometimes like that's I don't know I really related to it I feel like having anxiety for so long made me very um sensitive is the wrong word but I guess just more aware of other people's pain and having depression really ruined five years of my life so it's given me this attitude of like, I'm not going to waste another minute being sad because now that I'm actually happy and enjoying life and can, you know, be excited to get up every day, like I'm going to make that day fucking awesome. So if anyone else feels like that, please message me because I'd love to chat about it and just revel in our incredible beings. Anyways, without further ado, here's Natasha. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace and the City. Today, I am so excited to be with my first international guest. I've never had anyone outside of the state, so this is kind of cool. Natasha Tumari, and she is an award-winning psychologist, educationalist, entrepreneur, and investor featured in GQ, Marie Claire, BBC World News, and so much more. Thank you so much for being here. You're so accomplished. I feel incredibly honored to have you. Oh, no, honestly, the honor is mine. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, thank you again. Um, So why don't we just start off with a little bit of background information. Where are you from? How old are you? Where'd you grow up? What's your story? Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, the boring facts, I guess, um, I am 31, almost 32. I'm 32 in August. Um, I always joke, but I'm not joking at all, that I'm like the most Leo Leo you've ever met. Um, <laughs> I grew up just outside of London, um, and actually, so I went to university in London a couple of times, and a lot of my career was based there, um, 
I always knew that I was fascinated by psychology um, at school. Um, and I think I probably had a, like uh, an intuitive feeling deep down that um, that would be the path that I went down. And sure enough, that's how it happened. I started my career doing Teach First, which is like, it's like the British version of Teach for America. So okay. they say that they're going to take the country's best graduates and put them into the country's worst schools um, to raise the standard. And I always joke that it's a lot like the Hunger Games. Like, you can't imagine how hard it is until you're in there. Um, but I, yeah, so I got a grounding in education um, and not long after started an education business. Um, but the, I think that the passion for psychology was always there. And I went down the route simultaneously of um, training and qualifying as a psychotherapist. Also, um, I feel like I'm multifaceted in my interests. Um, so I've loved being an entrepreneur and uh, launching uh, a number of ventures uh, um, and, and now going down the investor route and the mentorship route also. Um, I think that it's probably the case that, so like I said, I'm 31 now, 10 years ago when I graduated, it wasn't really the fashionable thing. Um, and even by the time it was the fashionable thing, it was fashionable to do it in the tech realm. Um, so really, I think finding, uh, finding my way through like building ventures that were not uh, backed by investors that I bootstrapped from like nothing. It's been like, I, oh, let's say like character building at best, but like a real like warrior's journey otherwise. And so if I can share my insights and that helps somebody else, I would love to because I, I know it's not always been easy for me. And I think that's the truth for most people. Like it, it's not an easy path, right? Yeah. Well, definitely. I was uh, literally about to say, I have so many questions for you personally, because I, it's so interesting how that's, maybe it's the pandemic that's shed more light on it, but maybe I have, I'm, I'm a Virgo, so I'm like, you know, close, but I also am just so, I feel, have all these interests in things and businesses, quote unquote, I want to start or pursue that wouldn't necessarily, you know, fit in that startup box that could be pitched in Shark Tank kind of thing. But it is interesting to see that there's so many people and it's exciting because it just shows our creativity, but it is mm -hmm. disheartening a little sometimes to feel like that creativity isn't properly acknowledged by people, um, you know, older Gen X um, individuals or baby boomers because they grew up with like three different types of things you could pursue. It was like doctor, banker, lawyer, the end. Whereas now it's, there's so many things you can do. It's like, this is, I think also it's just the female experience, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that so many of us, I don't know actually. How old are you, Zoe? Guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm gonna guess 25, but only because you're baby faced. Am I right? <laughs> I'm 24, turning 25. Oh, okay, amazing. All right. Um, I was close. I mean, yeah. So, like, I think for lots of women in our 20s and 30s, we've just got used to the fact that we live in a world where um, the way we see things is not like part of the mainstream, the way that we see opportunities, the things that we're passionate about. And I think a really interesting thing is happening right now. And I think it's probably been accelerated by the lockdown and the pandemic in that like so many women are just deciding, you know what, actually it's my time to live my, my life the way that I want to. If I want to build a business that does not conform to like a 50 year old man's way of seeing business, that doesn't mean that my business won't work. I can still do business my way and I can still be turning over seven figures and, you know, making a great living and making a great impact on society and they can do it my way. And I think uh, it's a really exciting time for us to be in because I also don't think that this was the case for like, for example, women of our mother's ages, mm -hmm. you know, like this is a really exciting time now. I think of just like women more generally and um, yeah, just taking back our power and, and, fully expressing ourselves in worlds where we once didn't feel like perhaps we belonged. Yeah, it's so true. And I think I keep telling this to different people um, because I've been thinking about it more recently, this whole intergenerational uh, 
a work environment, like the intergenerational work environment. And it's something my therapist actually told me about because she works a lot with like corporate CEOs and helping them quote unquote with as a, you know, I forget what they're called when it's like a little pseudonym for a therapist, but the old white men don't want to admit they go to a therapist. So, but basically saying what the world that we were built, that we were brought into as in like, you know, in your twenties or thirties was so different than the world that our parents were, where it was, you know, the eighties and nineties and working in the era of Reagan. I mean, this is, you know, obviously unique to the United States, but similar and just in like greed is good and money is amazing and just work, work, work. And then our generation has pretty much been surrounded by instability and scare and uncertainty with all of it. And so long story short, I'm just very excited to see as we get older for like this generation Z to come in and start working, because I think it will be a much more open-minded and just optimistic and risk-taking workforce. So I think I I agree entirely. There's, there has to be like a recognition that we've all just grown up in different times. And I think the way that I think about these things is that I come at um, like these big topics wearing different hats. So like there's a the part of me that's like an entrepreneur and like serial founder. And then there's also the part of me that is a psychologist. And like, like you said, around like being a therapist, like working with people on working out their inner lives so that their outer lives will shift with it. And I think that if I combine those two and I, I think within this idea of the fact that we've all grown up in different times, I think what's probably true for people now in like 20s and 30s, like millennials, and not quite, not quite Gen Z, but like, yeah, that millennial time, kind of time, it comes back to the fact that we can be all of it. Like you can be risk aware and not doing crazy things and still do audacious things. If you feel like you are safe, if you feel like you are worthy, if you are fully sitting within like the magnificence of like who you are, like you really believe in the gloriousness of everything that you are. Like, I really do believe that if you, if your inner life is um, harmonious, then like your outer life reflects that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, and we don't have to also be like a product of the time in which you grew up. Like I graduated into the 09 recession. Like, I know that we're probably coming up to another recession now. And like, for anyone who's like listening and is like an economics major, like, they don't need me to tell you that like, there will, you know, typically there is a recession once every decade. But I graduated into, yeah, the credit crash. That was insane. I I went to one of the best universities in the world. And I watched lots of my friends who were in the year above me have job offers um, at like, you know, the best investment banks in the world. And in a heartbeat they all lost their jobs, right? Before they'd even started. And, but these experiences can be traumatizing and they can be, you know, they just are traumatizing actually. Like that creates a sense of stress which stays with you. But I don't believe your past has to define your future. And if you believe that about yourself too truly, um, that also empowers you to be able to build, create, earn whatever you want without it being like caught up in, like you said, like this Regan era, greed is good, like dark, old patriarchal energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And it's, I'm going off on a complete tangent, by the way, just because this is my own interest, but I think- Tangents are fun. (laughs) Exactly. And I think my listeners would be interested in this because it's funny that your, you know, your two passions of like psychology and- having like an entrepreneurial spirit I wonder if there's like a correlation between them because that's kind of the the box that I've found myself in recently of being like interested in both like in both I mean obviously it's a mental health podcast trying to grow into a business so that's a case in point but just learning more about the brain and learning more about how like cognition and all these different things and then using that to have a better understanding of you know what would stick with people and what resonates with listeners or consumers or have what have you 
So I wonder if there's like a, you know, a, a correlation there and then, you know, bringing my stats background of like correlation and causation <laughs> and statistical analysis. But have you found that by having this background in psychology, you've, I mean, you're extremely successful and have, you know, have touched on so many different um, jobs and um, professions. Have you found that like that's been a product of your background in psychology at all? Yeah, I, so I think long story short, for sure. I don't think anything, any of it accidental. I think if I was going to add more color um, and be like really honest, my belief is that um like there's no such thing as coincidences like i think that uh i absolutely believe that we have free will but i also believe that what is meant for us is meant for us and so i like at this point in my career i look backwards and i can see how every, you know the, the dots all connect like nothing feels random um and like my story is in my early career um i so i told you i uh, joined the Teach Fest program. I was the youngest person to ever do it. So I was 20 when I started my training because uh, my birthday is in the summer. So I basically graduated like at a much younger age than like people usually do. Um, oh, I told you this already. I told you about my Leo story. So hence why I was 20. Um, but I started the Teach Fest program. I was so excited to do it. Like I can't, I really can't put words to how much I wanted to do that program. It really felt like an opportunity to do something good in the world and also probably like put off quote unquote, like a, a job in the city for a couple of years because it's a two year program. And I got into the school that I was going to go to. Um, I taught seven subjects up to, I guess, um, what you guys might call AP. Is that what you call advanced classes? Yeah. Yeah, so we have our own equivalent in the UK. We call it something different. But yeah, so that's what I taught seven subjects up to that level, which is quite high. Um, most of those subjects, I hadn't even studied myself past age 12. So it was insane. The school I was in was really corrupt. The head teacher was like stealing tens of thousands of pounds at a time from the school. So 10,000 uh, 10, is like, I don't know, I guess $13,000. You know, this is serious money. I mean, and you can imagine the culture in the school then was toxic. My manager didn't like me. It was just horrible. And I think I had my first experience of what it felt like to be um, like truly anxious. Cause like I couldn't sleep. I stopped eating. Um, I dreaded going to work and then I'd be there. And I'd be miserable the whole day. I went from being like probably like a full size eight to being like a small four, like really fast. Um, I mean, that's in British sizes. So I guess, uh, is that like a four to a zero in yours? But you get my sense. And this was in a few months. Um, and so probably that was like my, that wasn't really my first taste of like work induced mental health difficulties. And I got to a place where really enough was enough. And I remember talking to my dad and he was just like, honestly, now like enough is enough. And I think that if you're like somebody who's high performance and you've always worked hard at school and you've always got good grades and you do competitive programs, the idea of quitting is anxiety inducing in itself. Like I remember having this real sense that, God, I'm 21 and my life is over before I've started it because I'm going to quit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, but I, I quit. It just was not the right thing. Apart from the fact that it was ruining my, you know, my own health. It, I just remember feeling like morally, like I was so compromised, like, so many things that happened at the school were just morally not right. And I didn't feel good about being there. Um, but yeah, like I said, my first exposure to like not you know, mental health challenge. And um, later down the line, I ended up going back to do my master's. And uh, it was after we doing my master's, I set up my first business. So for anyone who's ever launched a business, you know that it really tests your resolve. It tests your character. That when you don't know what you're doing and yet you know that there's somewhere that you want to get to and you don't know how to bridge the gap, like that is also anxiety inducing. You feel like everybody's watching you. And I think through these things, I didn't realize I was, but what I was learning was that I had an interest in healing and I had an interest in uh, understanding how it is that you go from these states, which make you feel like you're less than and like this desire to like really, I think because I so desired to exist in a space where I felt like I was like 
always happy and always in joy and always at my peak and always doing what I was meant to. Like I was unconsciously but intuitively finding my journey of how you move from like anxious and depressed and fed up and lost to happy and in peak state and achieving and in love with yourself, right? Like in the most beautiful way. Like I think we talk about being in love with yourself like, like it's obnoxious and it's not. Like when you have a good relationship with yourself, that's when you can truly make impact and you can do good things for other people because you cannot pour from an empty cup. Right. And throughout, I guess that whole path. Yeah. I learned a lot along the way and it's translated into my entrepreneurial career because the businesses that I've launched have always been about doing good, doing good for other people. Um, and the irony is like, uh, you can go into business being like impact focused and be focused about doing good and helping people and when you are doing those things, the money does come, right? Like you can have an incredibly profitable business, a business that makes a lot of money without being, like you said at the beginning, like obsessed with greed and, you know, baby boomer vibe of like, you know, just churn out businesses to make cash. And that was a long convoluted, messy way, I guess, of saying that, yeah, they are definitely related. But I think for me, um, it, I think it feels like it was always supposed to go that way. And my interest really from a psychology perspective lies in like understanding energy science and understanding how the unconscious mind works as much as understanding how the brain works. Because when we tie those things together, um, I think that's when you get real magic. I'm also a qualified yoga teacher. And so if I combine those things with yoga philosophy, um, like that's really the area from which I manifest. And I think that like for me, I feel like that's the holy grail. No, that's so interesting. And you answered so many questions I had because I think oftentimes something that's so key to having quote unquote, or for lack of a better word, success in this is having a personal experience that ties in that you can relate to. Like I, I battled with depression for five years. I lost a really close friend to suicide this has always been personal for me. So yeah. when I started this podcast, I didn't even do it thinking it would be anything but just a side project because it was just something I, I loved podcasts. And I was like, might as well just do this. It was a very spontaneous decision, but it was only after five years of working on myself and really only one full year of being in a better place where I was ready to start that um, that venture and and be good at it and be good at asking questions and be good at engaging with people. And from there, I was like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. I'm finally proud of myself. And it's weird saying that because, I mean, from a, you know, if you were to look at my LinkedIn, it's like, oh, and she was an engineering major at Johns Hopkins, like all this stuff. And it's, I don't want to come off as like, you know, being condescending or what have you, but all of those awards and those never meant anything to me as much as something that truly honors this friend that passed away and honors myself because it's like, I, I turned my own like really just, sad story into something that hopefully helps others. And that's like more, that's better than any investment consulting job that I could have gotten or any degree I could have gotten from a, a university, I think. Oh, I, I'm so sorry for your loss because this is truly just horrific. And but I honor you for sharing your story. The, the thing that I always say to, so I have, it's interesting. You said earlier about like old white men who won't call therapy therapy. So I have like psychotherapy clients that I work with. And I also have executive coaching clients who I mm -hmm. work with. And with both of those sets of people, it's similar work. We're doing work that's around healing, work that's around connecting with the deepest levels of intuition so that you can achieve peak performance. Like the two are connected. Um, but the thing that I always talk about is, um, you can transmute your pain into power. But the, the thing is, and I feel you, I, I really do. I lost my dad um, a, a bit over a year and a half ago. And even now, I don't know how I'm standing from it because 
it's a pain that like I uh, I never I just never imagined you could I could survive but I think these things happen these horrific things that come they shake our world they make us question everything that we believe and they come and they make us question everything that we believe but they make us realize actually that everything that we once believed to be important wasn't like you said, like you were an engineering major at John Hopkins. This is a big deal, you know, like, you know, these accomplishments are not small accomplishments. And what happens when we're young is that we start tying up our identity with those accomplishments. And we start thinking that these are the things that matter. And then these horrific things happen to us in our lives and we lose people who we adore. And, you know, we have this realization that actually who is the truth of who I am and what am I truthfully here to do? And for lots of us women, I think in these moments of tragedy, when we heal and when we come round, we realize that the truth of who I am is not all of that, which is on paper. All of those things that I used to measure myself by are not the truth, right? The truth yeah. is like who I am to the people who love me, who I am when I'm with the people who I adore. And what is it that I want to, to do on this earth to make things better and to also honor the people who I love like the people who are here and the people who maybe are not here with me anymore also and this is when we get into like territory which is like it's messy right it's not like tidy it's not linear it's not cognitive like you know you can't put it down to like you know if you want to talk about neuroscience it doesn't come down to things like genes and <laughs> you know like cells this is messy this is like it's the messy part of our minds and the human experience and yet it's also the it's the truth of the human experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so crazy too. First of all, I'm, I'm sorry about your dad as well. Like, it's so true that you, you really don't know that pain until you go through it. And then mm -hmm. you also, I think, and this is actually after speaking with someone a couple of days ago who was talking about um, she lost her fiance to a drug overdose like three months before their wedding. And she was saying how only now, like she used to say, I don't know what I would do without you. And then now she says she never says that because she does know. And I think it also shows the survivor of that loss, like how strong you were in that moment. And then if you could be strong in that moment, like, you can get through every bad performance review or every, you know, little thing that in that moment feels so earth shattering. And it, you know, it's all relative. So maybe it is really a bad day. Um, but if, if I think reflecting back on that and being like, just kind of giving yourself a lot of credit for being strong and overcoming those really hard times, because that's, I think, what I've been doing recently is being like, holy shit, I, I like survived that terrible 2018 year <laughs> somehow. Like, you know, this pandemic will pass. <laughs> yeah, it puts things into context, right? I think, I feel like when these things happen, you know, like when you, and it is a survival, right? When you survive something which, uh, you know, really tested your will, tested, tested your beliefs, tested like your health. You survive it, but it leaves scars on you. And those scars become like scar tissue. Like in just in the same way that scar tissue on your body makes that, you know, that piece of your skin or your, that part of your body tougher and stronger. This is the same that happens to your psyche. And there's two things, there's two ways that you move forward from that. Like one is a way in which that you, can integrate that scar tissue and you can make it a part of who you are and it becomes a part of your story and you thrive but the alternative is it happens and you deny it you deny you know all of the energy and the power in that situation and you don't heal from it and what that ends up doing is is sitting in your life as some kind of like energy blockage or some kind of psychological blockage and that's when you end up in a loop where like perhaps you're not creating the things in your life that you want um, because 
because you've got trapped in the trauma. Mm -hmm. I also believe that if you're in that place, you know, your body and your mind do these things for reasons. And the kindest thing that you can do for yourself is to like honor yourself for like for your suffering, also being human, you know, and reach out to somebody who can help you. Um, but I think this is the thing. I think it's, I think mental health is still stigmatized, you know, and in a massive way, people still don't feel like they have a space to speak about these things. Um, and I also think it's like the path between going from like in a state of trauma to being in a state of like joy and accomplishment, like that path is not clear for most people also. And so it's really easy to feel like you're lost in the woods. Um, but the first step is totally talking about it and putting a voice to the things that you're experiencing. Yeah, no, it's so true. And it's so sad that it's still stigmatized. I mean, even so I've, I'm sponsored by BetterHelp, which is so exciting for me because I'm the biggest therapy advocate ever. And I obviously benefit from that sponsorship. So I, I was like, I've been trying to convince my dad to go to therapy for so long because I think it, everyone can benefit from it. And I'm like, dad, this is a cheaper disc. I have a discount for you and it helps me. It's a win-win. Like you can't say no. And it still was so hard to get him to admit that he needed therapy where I have this philosophy. Everyone needs therapy. Like if you want to become the best version of yourself, why not? If, I mean, granted, okay, there's, it's super expensive in places like New York. So I get that, but there's some therapists that are covered by insurance or, you know, better help and other online platforms that are so much more affordable. And so I think, it's really cool the position you're in where you're inadvertently, you know, helping these CEOs and these men who would be averse to therapy if there wasn't a way to talk about it as a life coach. And I'm sure, you know, it, it, it will, I'm sure it doesn't go unnoticed that you're probably helping them think about things in their past and how it's affected them in, as a manager or as a, a leader that they would have never put together if it weren't for, you know, your experience and just that background that you do have in psychology. So I think that's a really cool position to be in and hopefully it's making them more self-aware. Thank you. I I think what's really interesting is that men and women are like so much more similar than people give mm-hmm. merits to. Um, for all, like I mean, for all people, this is universal across like gender, age, like however you identify, color. Um, our the things that we've experienced in our lives that make us the people that we are, both the joys and the pains like that does filter through to the version of ourselves that we present in our work lives and in our ambition and in creating everything that we want to be. And so I've become really interested in like just the idea of manifestation. I feel like it's very American. Um, But yeah, as a Brit, I've become so into it. I'm also Indian, like ethnically, like I'm Indian and I fully identify with being Indian. Like yoga philosophy feels to me like just like a part of my culture um, and actually the whole idea of like manifesting, I, I feel like it skips in like ancient Hindu philosophy, which is so interesting to me, but this idea that really we create our own realities with the energy that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the energy that we bring is, it's a reflection of our inner lives. And so for everyone, yeah, I mean, whether the impact that we make both on like, you know, if it's on a big scale, you know, the, the startups we create, the businesses we create, you know, the companies you work in, or if it's just in our family home, like it has ripple effects. Everyone who we come into contact with, that has a ripple effect. And so if you are clear or if you have healed your traumas and if you have healed your sadnesses and if you have elevated from the things that have hurt you and now you are in a state of like joy and awe and you are living life as you were intended to, I don't believe that there's a person on this planet who was put on this planet to suffer. Like, we might learn through our suffering and we may elevate through our suffering, but I really don't believe that we're here to suffer. 
Um, and actually, I think, you know, the story that you told me about your, um, your friend who lost her, uh, her fiance, like, this is heartbreaking, you know, this is, this was a man who was about to embark on like the journey of his life, marriage with like someone who he loved. And addiction is just when, you know, people are like, addiction is when people need a crutch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, addiction is always, it's always a result of trauma. It's, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's a narrative around addicts not being good people and it's just total trash. It's not true. Um, but this is a perfect example, right? When you get the support that you need, you can elevate out of this. And I think the real tragedy is that so often good people don't get the support that they need. Yeah. Um, one thing that I might like to say actually is, um, yeah, therapy can be expensive. Coaching can be expensive. Uh, you know, even things like better help, which I think work out more affordable can still be really expensive, but we live in a time when there are so many things like your podcast is helping like so many people um, there are YouTube channels which you know people just speak about these things, and you can have a therapeutic experience without having to pay tons of money for it. Because like, you know the irony is also that it can be in the times that you need help that you're also more financially challenged. And um, take the help where you can get it, and don't fall into like a belief that you have to pay lots of money to heal. Like the healing is inside of you. Like as human beings, we've evolved with the capacity to heal ourselves. And sometimes you just need a nudge in the right direction. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think it's, it's so interesting that I've also been so more recently interested in manifestation and the law of attraction. And, you know, you get what you put out and all of that. And it's funny because I used to it was because of my anxiety probably, but be very superstitious. And I thought if I wish something good on myself, the exact opposite would happen. So I was constantly in this mode of hope for the best, but expect the worst. That was like my, Mm -hmm. my MO, which is a terrible MO. And if I can say, but this is a defense mechanism, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is you like armoring yourself and keeping yourself safe. Like, because you're you're just waiting for the worst to happen because you you were suffering, right? Exactly. It's like a, it was like a oh okay at least I'll I'll be prepared. Like mm-hmm. at least it won't be worse than I expected. And then more recently, I've just been whether it be with a podcast or things, I've been just I love to run. So when I'm on runs, I'll just be thinking about all the cool things that could happen in my life. And then the next like week, I'll, something will line up that is in line with what I was thinking about. And it's, I mean, you, you could look at it as like an astrological perspective or a whatever perspective, but really it, I think just when something's at the forefront of your mind, you're more likely to do things that are in line with getting that, you know, objective or thing or whatever. And also just when you're, when you're putting out good energy, people want to be around you. So, so I think there's like, I, I agree with like lots of what you said and there are like a couple of things that I like, I, I think probably I'm a bit of a devil's advocate in that, like, I want to throw a spanner in the works. I think that, yes, it's true that the thing that's at the forefront of mind drives what we do. But I also think that like, actually the thing that's at the forefront of our unconscious mind is probably the thing that's driving the results. And I think this is why so many people suffer with like law of attraction because they're like, I'm doing all the right things. I'm putting good vibes out there. I'm doing good, but the good things are not coming back to me. And it's because unconsciously there are still blockages. There are still traumas. There are still hurts. There are still memories, which you're not even aware of because they're in your unconscious mind. That's the point of the unconscious mind to like keep away all of the things that hurt us and not give us conscious access. Um, But they're sitting there and they're causing things like anxiety, which filters through. And I think that's where people get it wrong with the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people get um, disheartened because it's like, I'm trying so hard. I'm doing the right things. Why is it not happening for me? Um, but it's interesting to me you said about astrology because I really believe in astrology. I read astrology. Um, but I realized I have an interesting take on it. Like I mentioned something to a friend and she was like, the thing with astrology is there's always like some time when something's bad. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I never see it through that lens. 
I always see astrology through the lens of like, how can I notice when times are auspicious? And so if times are auspicious, this is when I make moves or this is when I do certain things. And um, I it just, I know it sounds crazy, but it, it, for a milli moment, like I just realized that not everyone is looking through the lens of optimism. Yeah. And optimism is also something that is learned. Like it's, optimism is a privilege right like when you're in that state of like deep deep depression when you don't want to get out of bed or when you're in that sense of like deep anxiety that you cannot eat because you're that stressed it is you know like optimism then is like so far beyond your reality and um, but this is where the work is right like quote unquote the work yeah that's where, and, and the work is also where the opportunity is to like change your reality so I don't want to say that to, to say that, you know, like if you're suffering, then you just have to do the work and get out of it. Because I also think that when you're in a dark night of the soul, there's something for you to take from it, you know, and you have to move through it at your own pace. It's like you cannot force a snake to shed its skin. Like the snake will shed at its own pace. It's the same thing. But I wanted to throw the caveat out there because, yeah, I think sometimes I also think that like the conversation around law of attraction in that sense is harmful. Like it hurts to be told like, well, you know, if you just put good vibes out there, you'll get everything you want. Like it's energy doesn't work that way and nor do our minds. Yeah. I should add like a, an asterisk in that first you need to, cause I'm a big believer in first you need to heal yourself before you can, you know, whether it be find a partner or find a career you love. So I think it is the first step is resolving that trauma or at least opening it up for discussion with a therapist or with yourself and journaling or something that just, you, you can't just lock that in the back of your brain or in some closet and be like, okay, but mm -hmm. if I put out good energy, this yeah. would be good because really you're not putting out good energy because there is that like, you know, negative subconscious energy seeping through. What our unconscious mind does, so often the the content, if you like, of our unconscious minds, the things like memories and experiences, when, the, when our mind pushes it into our unconscious, it does so to protect us. Because if we had to think about it all day long, all, like it, would, it would take us into a state of full-on of, full depression. Mm -hmm. But when it's in our unconscious mind, it just creates anxiety. It creates anxious energy. So um, whilst that's better than crippling depression, you can still continue with your life. It's still hurting you. Like, I mean, I would go as far as to say, yes, you have to be, like, if you are the fullest sense of yourself, yes, you know, you're more likely to create big love, big career, big money in your life. I also, though, truly believe you can attract big love into your life and you can launch a business that makes mad money and you can, you know, get that promotion at work. And you, I still believe that you can get everything you want if at the very least you're on a healing journey of believing you're worth it. Um, yeah. And I almost think that actually, like when people say, well, you know, you have to be healed to get A, B and C, what you're really doing is you're putting conditions on yourself to have what you want. And like, actually, I don't, again, I, it goes back to, I guess, my spiritual beliefs, but I don't believe that, you know, we were put on earth with the condition that you have to do A, B or C to get X, Y and Z. Like, I believe that as we are, we are already full and worthy and deserving of everything we want. We just have to know that to be true. But that is also part of the healing journey. And so again, like it's the messy thing, right? Yeah. Like it's not linear. It's not like, I mean, there's a form of therapy called CBT, which I'm sure lots of your listeners have heard of. It's cognitive behavioral therapy that says, you know, change your thoughts, change your behavior, get what you want. I think that's too simplistic. I think that's Me too. superficial. Yeah, and I, I think it's great for things like, um, I mean, I don't even know. If you've got like a simple phobia, I think it does, you know, it can do the trick. But like for more complex issues and more complex healing, and also importantly for a more fuller rising into the fullest version of yourself who gets everything she wants and achieves all she wants and gets to live a life that feels like being in the sun. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's not linear. I love that. So I wanted to ask for some, I guess, advice to pass along to my listeners. I saw that you work with, you know, Dr. Brene Brown and Deepak Chopra and Esther Perel. Like, <laughs> so do you have any words of wisdom that you could share with my listeners? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, 
I've always taken the philosophy that when I want to learn something, I go to the root, I go to the best person I can to, to learn the thing. Um, but that might be the type A in me. Uh, so yeah, when the opportunities came to like learn from people like Brené Brown, Deepak Chopra, Esther Perel, oh my gosh, like incredible learning opportunities, I took them. And I think at every stage, they've informed my approach and like the way in which that I see things. And also perhaps like ideas that I had intuitively, but it helped me um, ground, ground mm. those ideas. And so, I mean, what I've really loved about Deepak Chopra's work as it's evolved is that he really explores um, Eastern philosophies, like ancient Hindu philosophies, and then grounds them in the neuroscience. And I've really enjoyed that. And it's also given me a real sense of validity around like the work that I am very interested in around unconscious mind energy science um but but validating that with the science right of neuro uh, neuroscience and our, how our nervous systems work and also how we inherit how we inherit experience from our parents from a genetic perspective um i think um brenno brown's work has just been you know, groundbreaking for i think for everyone who comes across it and i think what she's really done for lots of people is um make the conversation like she's brought light on the conversation about shame and mm -hmm. i think we touched on shame earlier um but the thing with shame is when you feel shame or you feel ashamed of something you take something and you put it in the shadows you take and that could i in within the scope of the conversation we're having about mental health and the challenges of mental health that come up in like big life events or even the challenge of like navigating a, a career or navigating growing a business. The moment you feel shame, you put the issue in the dark and then the shame grows because it's in the dark. And it's the moment you put a spotlight on something that shame can no longer exist. And I think that when she's put a spotlight on that topic, it's been massively healing for so many people. And I think uh, the opportunity to explore that dynamic has been definitely, it's, I can see how it's useful um, to both my methodologies, but I also see day to day how it helps my clients. Um, and Esther Varel is just a genius around like, relationships, right? Like exploring relationships. But, and a lot of our conversation has been about like when things are messy. I mean, that's really what we're looking at when we consider a lot of Esther Farrell's work. It's, relationships are great when they're easy but most of the time they're not and often they become easy because you've worked through when it wasn't easy much like how we talked about when you survive mental health challenges right like you get to soar afterwards but you get to soar because you walk through the fire mm -hmm. um and yeah i think it's really important to understand that often when you're walking through the fire you're not walking through it alone Whatever, whatever trauma you've experienced, it wasn't just you, you experienced it with somebody else. And I think when we, when we give light to the fact that we're not going through things alone, we're going through things with other people often also, and their experience is not the same as ours, but we're making assumptions that they are, um, you give opportunity to explore that. And within that opportunity, that's your space for healing. Um, yeah, so these are just like little musings that are coming to mind. But yeah, for sure, they've informed the way in which that I work in a massive way. I'm sure that, you know, in a couple of years, like people will be saying, oh, when I worked, when I had the opportunity to work with Natasha Tuari, like <laughs> using <laughs> this, because really, I mean, I feel like wiser just for speaking to you. Oh my gosh, this, I, I'm super honored that you would say that. That's such a lovely compliment. Thank you. So I always wrap up with asking a few questions um, that I got from a New York Times article. So I'm just going to jump right into them. What is one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's it. Uh, I want to give you a good and honest answer. And sorry, it's almost like I'm I'm doing a quick mind scan of like, let's say 32 years, but then like minus the first few, which we often don't really remember. Um, can I cheat and put a different spin on it? And say maybe like, what is the thing in my life that has, I don't know about made me stronger, but certainly made me 
feel stronger. Um, yeah, I mean, I told you I, I lost my dad uh, a, a bit over a year and a half. I don't feel any stronger. Well, I don't, I don't think I am any stronger for it. But at this point in my morning, I have a strength around like I don't believe that when people pass that they like you know that they they're gone like I think that people who we love stay with us and I hold a strength with that like with the belief that yeah my dad is now always with me um but I share that in the hope that perhaps if somebody else is mourning or going through something like that that might help them find something that gives um yeah some strength yeah I like that way of framing it of like it doesn't, it hasn't necessarily made you like stronger, but it's a given you a new strength. Um, yeah. It's also simultaneously the thing that brought me to my knees, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's simultaneously the event of my life that has made me feel so weak. I didn't believe I could survive it. So, but again, like life is not linear, like we said. So hundred mm-hmm. percent. Do you believe everything happens for a reason? I think that this is a really complicated statement and I think it's, um, I actually think it's a form of spiritual bypassing. I think it's a statement that people use when they don't know what to say to you because you've suffered something mm-hmm. and people feel much more comfortable saying, well, everything happens for a reason than they feel to say, let me stand with you in your pain. So whilst I do believe that there is order in the universe, we can't see. I really dislike this phrase. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I've never thought of it in a, in the sense of the way we use it to tell someone something. Mm-hmm. It's more of like, a, I, I think it does show, you know, a unique, or I think it does reveal, I guess, a reveal something for like, how I see it or how you see the actual, you know, is there a destiny or like, is there a silver lining and everything? But I do agree with you that when people say it as like a, oh, it's okay. Everything happens for a reason. It's just a way of being like, get over it. <laughs> I think people also use it though for themselves, you know, like when they're going through something small or large, and then people will say like, so for example, like I've heard it a lot from people during the pandemic who are really suffering and then they'll be like, oh, everything happens for a reason. I'll work it out. And in the space of saying, well, everything happens for a reason. I'll work it out. Actually, that was the space where they could have gone. There's an opportunity to think deeper, even if you don't want to communicate it, but there's an, there's an opportunity to like within yourself, think deeper about like really, really feeling what you're feeling. Um, not to the extent where, you know, it makes you unproductive or stops you from going about what you want to do, but like really like uh, recognizing your own emotion. Because again, same thing. It's really easy to just like then bypass your complicated emotion and say, at some point I'll find a silver lining and it will be fine. I like the philosophy behind the statement. I just don't love the statement. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Ah, do I have a, okay. Um, so actually the background on my phone is a cover from the wing, um, <laughs> which says a real piece of work. You know how like the wing have like these statements that they put uh, like a bit of a spin on, like hmm. things that people will say about women. So for example, like she's a real piece of work. Like it's an insult. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of always makes me smile when I pick up my phone, which is like about a thousand times a day, really. I should really like, limit my phone time, actually. Um, but there's that. But more than that, I do a thing where like every month I'll give myself a theme, which is, I guess, kind of the same thought. Um, so like this last couple of months, my, my theme was fun. And like because I've given myself consciously this idea that I'm going to have a theme that I go down, then like that permeates the things that I'm doing. Uh, I realize I keep cheating your questions. Like I take your questions and I mold. <laughs> no, I like it because it makes it more unique. Um, and I, I like that. I actually, I, uh, I was just reading more about the wing now because I don't think I was following it before. But remind uh, me, are you in New York or I thought you were in Canada? Am I wrong? No, I'm in New York. 
Uh, okay, so I think I don't actually know if they're even going to reopen. I think that they were really hit from a business perspective with the pandemic, but they were, it's like a women's only uh, members club. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm looking into it now. But they're just, their brand is a bit sassy, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. Um, and next question is, what do you love most about yourself? Oh, okay. That's a fun, that's a fun question. Um, I love, I get, I'm going to say two things because obviously I wouldn't be cheating at your questions unless I did so. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first thing is that when you asked me the question, I didn't recoil. Like, I think that there are lots of people who would hear that question and, like, just feel so awkward about answering it. And I didn't. I was like, what is the thing I love most? <laughs> so that was the first. I, I appreciate that about myself. And the second thing is that I think that I'm always brave. And I really believe that being brave is, like, sits at the heart of, like, building a life which you're in love with. Yeah. No, I love that, too. And I think it's it's so true. I mean, I ask this question, obviously, to everyone I interview. And so many times people are like, oh they don't know what to say and I think it's it's actually kind of cool that the two people or the two people more recently who have um been like oh what do I love most about myself are you and a therapist who I um interviewed who's now my my therapist but who was like oh I'm like which I can't choose and it was really refreshing <laughs> yeah Mm -hmm. this is it's a form of like dissidence you know like in a world where like, uh, there's just so much invested in people not liking themselves to to say you love yourself and that you don't know what you love the most about yourself this is like an act of rebellion yeah yeah I love it too <laughs> and last question which is the name of the podcast is how do you find solace in the city Oh my gosh. <laughs> my ironic answer would be like spending time out of the city. Yeah, I've gotten that a couple of times, <laughs> leaving it. Uh, but actually, I think that uh, it's like, okay, so then the opposite is like, well, solace is about finding peace, right? And in my experience, peace is usually somewhere, somewhere between being at peace with yourself and the people who you really adore. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think you can be on the, you can be in the most insane city on earth, but if you, uh, yeah, if you can find some peace from within, however that practice is that you get there, then that's the way. And so for me, that usually, if I think about times when I've been in cities when I'm by myself and I'm nowhere near anyone I love, uh, like my yoga practice always grounds me. Uh, my meditation practice is grounding. Um, and actually, I think uh, sometimes it's like recognizing, recognizing that uh, cities can be lonely places and they can be stressful places and being okay with that too. Mm hmm 100%. So Natasha, thank you so much. I feel like I've learned just an immense amount in this hour. Where can oh. all my listeners follow you, um, find, like, learn more about you, plug everything? Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I've, I've loved this conversation too. Um, so I'm on Instagram at I am Natasha T, like T the letter, um, as opposed to the warm, cozy drink. Um, <laughs> message me tell me if you you know, heard this you had thoughts something resonated like I love hearing from people um yeah just dm me so I'm on instagram I am Natasha T if you want to know more about my work you can head on over to my website uh which is www.natashatawari.co.uk um and actually if you head on over to natashatawari.co.uk forward slash zoe um, there's a little video bundle that we have put together um, for listeners of the podcast. So there's a little something about how to start and scale a business, um, how to manifest. There's something else around conquering your anxiety um, and another around healing. Um, and also, if you have heard this conversation between us and 
you've had a sense that maybe you might like to talk to me about uh, working with me, whether that's in a therapeutic capacity or um, through mentorship, through your growth in your business, then there's a little pocket on that page where you can get in contact and we can feel it out. So yeah, please do get in touch. I love hearing from listeners. I love hearing when things have resonated. I love hearing your questions. Don't be shy. Great. Well, thank you again and bye everyone. Thank you.